This is Strange Assembly episode 169, 20 Festivals. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is John Palmer. Hello, everyone. And this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. It feels awful late because the set was colot edition previewed before it came out at the end of march but we are here to do the review episode of the new 20 festivals base set for legend of the five rings i figured since i am clearly a a kote caliber winner i needed to bring an extra scrub along to help provide that perspective and thank you for serving in that role today john not a problem. I love the fact that you, being someone who is 1-0 against me, I believe, in tournament play, <laughs> are here to really be the expert. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> so we'll we'll find out. You're going to – you travel uh, usually quite a bit for Kote, so I imagine you will trek down to South Carolina this year? That is the hope. Mel is not going to be able to make it because she has a family event, but there is a good chance that I will be there. And you just – one another there were four mantis decks on top and i can't with one of the four mantis in top four in i Phoenix. was one of the four mantis in the top four and i and i was and i am actually the winner okay so. okay i wasn't misrecalling that i you think that's the sort of thing i could double check to look up before the podcast starts but no you get no extra effort here today folks stream of consciousness well i mean i i spent all my prep time taking notes on the set to try to make sure i didn't get too many cards wrong that that sort of thing this time another securing of something for the you you got the suruchi archery school this time right you got the kitsune forests last time it's kayun kitsune actually we don't know whether that includes kitsune mori or not but i guess we'll find out yeah i'd say i guess that's a place we could start with mantis scouts seems to be the most potent deck, not necessarily by a huge margin, but the most potent deck right now. How much did that deck for you pick up out of 20 festivals as opposed to just being holdover awesomeness? It's mostly holdover awesomeness. Obviously, getting Forgotten Legacy is huge because it prevents some of the bad draws, and even if you see eight guys and end up just buying the Legacy first turn, you've still got with Manus, you're going second extra gold, and you're normally still going to explode out second turn. That's not a big problem, so that's one thing that it got. It got it um, Enslaved Jin, which was my favorite card last arc in Crane Scouts, and I put right in the deck. Yeah, it would be getting it going from Ivory Strict, which was what it mostly was before, mm-hmm. too. But yeah, that's... I guess I'll note, at least when I'm I'm talking, I usually, uh, for purposes of this episode, when I, I talk about reprints, I mostly mean reprints of things that were Ivory Arc legal, legal and are now 20 Festivals Arc Legal because they showed up in 20 Festivals. Of course, as a base set, there's a lot of reprints of things from older sets, and I, if I'm not mistaken, a specific effort here to make sure that something was reprinted from every single older expansion, right? That is correct. So there's there's lots of that style of, of reprint. But you mentioned Forgotten Legacy. I feel like going from Ivory Arc to 20 Festivals Arc, there's, or, or even from Ivory Strict to 20 Festivals Arc, there's a 
substantial shakeup in economy. Forgotten Legacy is a huge part of that. Although Nexus of Lies did get reprinted, you've still got a relatively slim selection if you want to try to fill out your your deck with four gold holdings instead of doing three for ones and two golds. I mean, is that how you see the economy working out now is substantially different than before? I wouldn't say it's substantially. Um, one of the real restrictions on the economy is still the fact that you can't really play Bountiful Fields because of Colonial Constructs being in the environment, which would give you that second four for four. What Forgotten Legacy allows you to do is play around with some of the one-cost holdings, and as we've seen, if you're looking on any of the auction sites, Temple of Destiny is going for an insane amount of money for an L5R rare card, and I find that that's partly because of its synergy with Forgotten Legacy. The fact that if that shows up as a holding, you know you can go into your deck and get the Legacy. You even get a draw to see an extra card for what you want to pitch. That was part of the basis of my gold scheme when I played Strict out, 20 Festival Strict out in Chicago, where I was running that and Questionable Market, which is a very versatile holding that you can run if you're running some 3 for 3s. So I think in that option, it actually gives the 4 gold clans a little bit better um, opportunities than just playing 4 for 4s and 2 for 2s, and then the clan holding, of course. In terms of the 3 gold clans, obviously it fits right into their scheme, and you know, they could run 3 of them conceivably. And where it really pays off is on turn 2 or turn 3, where a lot of times you don't see the flip that you need, and you have to make that decision of, am I going to spend all my gold on guys and maybe not be able to continue to build my economy? It always gives you that chance to go back into your deck if you didn't have to buy it first turn, and you can pull that three-goal holding out and continue to buy guys. That's why I really love it from a design perspective. Yes, I've forgotten Lacey does that, and I you mentioned Temple of Destiny and Questionable Market. Those, to me, seem like they should be the, the go-to one-gold holdings, which you actually now do usually want in your deck because of Forgotten legacy i know deep harbor and and yukihime are ones that have gotten play but i at least like temple of destiny and questionable market much more than those options but maybe but that's you're just not me. searching them out with jade pearl in anymore too which is no. somewhat important from an arc perspective yeah so i guess yeah but forgotten legacy makes one gold holdings less awesome because they don't just automatically come in with the uh, Jade Pearl in, but you need more of them in your deck. So they get... I mean, they feel like they make up a more significant part of your gold scheme mm -hmm. quantity-wise. You know, Nexus of Lies is basically all that you get is 4 for 4s and then Coastal Lane. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a shame for Bountiful Fields that Colonial Conscripts is unnecessarily brutal. Oh well. <laughs> And then the other card that I really like from an economic perspective is Honored Sensei. There's a lot that's going on with unaligned personalities in this set. Some of the most efficient gold cost uh, force-to-gold ratios, Shugenja, are unaligned, so you can use it in that kind of deck as a second clan holding. And it also pays off for the Honor decks that are running Courtiers, because you've got Otomo, Teneji, Soul, and Demaya. It's going to pay the extra four and get you that honor. So for Honor runners, that card's great, and it's also really good if you're playing unaligned Shugenja. Yeah, I actually did make a note on that. If I'm wondering, like, so does the design team just have different rules for what kind of force unaligned Shugenja are allowed to have versus aligned Shugenja? It's a good question. I mean, it really came up when I was building Unicorn, where essentially all of the unaligned Shugenja are better than any of the Unicorn Shugenja in terms of their force-to-gold ratios. In terms of the overall feel of that i don't know that that's always the case in phoenix you've got some three threes for five so 
that's right on point. But uh, yeah, especially comparing it to Unicorn, I didn't really understand why those guys were cheaper and a lot of times better. Tanbo Jiru is incredible. And yes. Mori Taruko, who from the from Ivory, is incredible. So yeah, and both of those three fours for five. Taruko has the high chi, which I mean sometimes doesn't do anything, and sometimes is great with spells. She straightens. Yeah, Jeru has that is naval always, and which I hear is good. <laughs> and, and the super investment, and he's only I think Jeru might be one of three three fours for five gold unaligned Shugenja in twenty festivals. I think he was the best of them, but. They're just all over the place, and it, yeah. yeah. I think there's three in the set, and then you've got one from a prior set, too, if I'm correct about that. Yeah, the, the three was specifically in, in the one set, not mm-hmm. quite, quite a bit. So we already mentioned Chica a little bit. So Mantis, their box stayed exactly the same. Their new fully... Supported theme, I guess, or their, their new theme that has a sensei is the Thunder Shugenja. And then Kensei seems to be the second theme, and we'll get a sensei down the road. Have you seen Mantis actually doing well rocking out any of the new stuff? Or, because I know it's not all, it hasn't all been Shika Sensei. No, not at all. Absolutely. Um, at Phoenixville, two of the Manus decks that were in the cut rounds, one of whom went out in the play-in and one of whom went out in the top four, were playing with Aranai Sensei and Kensei builds. So that gives you the access to weapons, it gives you Sun Returns, which is really big in this environment, gives you come one at a time for kill on defense. I played against Jeff Williams, who's another Kote winner with Mantis, and that was what he was running. And then the other one was Jeff Schmoke, who's a returning player and made the top four. So that's definitely an option. I haven't seen the Shugenja builds. I mean, I assume that they're out there, and I really like Akako XP. I've actually seen her played in Phoenix decks, because being able to pop in, do ranged attacks, she's just really good. <laughs> but I don't know that what the rest of that deck... That, that Sensei is an interesting one to try and use, with having the bow, but it costing you a guy, too. So Yeah, I, I do have to admit, as a dragon player, the naval Kensei guys just make me really jealous. It's, it's kind of weird looking at this uh, year and seeing all the dueling themes and all the Kensei themes and they're in all these weird clans and not mm-hmm. a dragon. It's strange. Well, you guys get magistrates. That's where you're going, I think, at least at this point. Yeah, and then uh, Tomori military Shugenja for later in the year. So we'll have two different Tomori themes. Lots of, lots of face time for them. But Dragon, then, I, I like the Emerald Champion. And then the other cards that I thought were the most interesting for Dragon were some of the Kitsuki to go along with Yodo Sensei, the uh, Ainosuke, the Expendable, who gets destined when you're courtesy. And uh-huh. when you're, right, when you're an honor deck, playing against other higher honor clans is always annoying. So. It's always nice to see Destiny things on that. but And then Goichi, Soul of Katsuki Berry, who has the battle send home. I like Masamitsu a lot, too. He gives you the courtier and magistrate keywords. Uh, he's six gold, three personal honor. so And he's a Shugenja for whatever you might need him to be a Shugenja for. You're going to play Seeking the Way at the very least in a Dragon Honor deck. I'm curious to see how much that gets followed up on. Although I guess you've always got the ability to import guys who were designed for Tomori Honor from last year mm-hmm. and then just have those in there. They're, 
yeah. But yeah, I don't feel like Dragon has anything that it's kicking out of the gates that it's really focusing on those. So another deck that got magistrates, but has also done a lot with military is Crane. Magistrates is their new sensei theme, and there's quite a few cards packed into this set that in their personalities that support that theme, and then the potential and potential fate cards for it on the you know on the personality side, Hirakane, Masachika, Norime, all of those do thing with magistrates, and then even more Izumiko and Shune if you're incorporating dueling into that. But of all things in the world, Geisha Scout Military seems to be the the current hottest crane deck. Yeah, I like that. I, I was really impressed with the design on that from those guys in Europe. It was not something that I thought was going to work. I was very upset that Akagi Sensei went away, not because I felt like Akagi Sensei was particularly fair and balanced, but because the movement tricks were what really made Crane Scouts work in Ivory. And stepping away from that, they still had a lot of the personality base, but didn't have that. So I'm glad that with Geisha build, you're able to do things that still feel like Crane Scouts, even if it's not the same build, you know, just flowing over 90% of the cards. <laughs> I... Okay, so it feels like Crane Scouts. I, I don't know. They feel something off, a little, you know, theme-wise, with a a bunch of geisha swarming you in a, in military style. That I I don't feel like that's what the that's what the the players with the deck were clever to come up with that idea. I feel like that's probably not what the the design of those cards was really intended to. Well, the geisha in the deck are mostly the support personalities. They're the ones that let your guys. You have the one that gives conquer. You have the one that makes a guy. So there's, it's not really like Geisha are swinging. <laughs> that train from Spirit Wars or whatever that gives your zero force guys a four force bonus, that's not involved. <laughs> but um, but they're there to support the really good crane personalities, and cranes still have a few really good personalities. So I think that's why the it works and why those cards are there. And they're cards that I like working in the military decks a lot. I see a lot of Akinoshi the Dancer especially. Giving a guy plus one and Conqueror is really solid. So Conqueror still does not suck. <laughs> No, not at all. Uh, Especially when you drop it off courage beyond question. Very nice. Uh, So let's see. Now, guys that are supposed to have lots of force, the crab have shifted from the weenie favoring box to the somewhat more large unit favoring box. They have Shugenja as a theme uh, and somewhat hilariously had to then errata the Dishonor Sensei because it was busted with Shugenja. Oops. But they got another couple of, of reprint guys that seem to be handy. Hita Karabi, Reserve and Destin seems like a solid combo when you get on anybody who has any kind of decent stats. Eddie's Imperial for Big Deck. <laughs> Karabi's great. I love Karabi. I mean, the, there's a lot that Crab does with hand size manipulation now between Karabi, Akemi, you can run the Sensei if you really want to, and Raikahime, who's one of my absolute favorite personalities in this set. Which is funny, because Carlos won the Yuto Kote with Crab, and I love his deck. It was the basis when I started working on Crab. But he doesn't run Rekihime, and Rekihime, I just, I think she's incredible. And Rekihime, and you, another playable, although, I, I don't know, I usually don't find him amazing or anything, uh, guy Gorobe, those both require discards, and we got the Path of Wisdom back mm-hmm. in this set. So, I mean, were you using that to enable her, or just... Oh, absolutely. Discarding random stuff, okay. No, Path of Wisdom, and then you can also play the deck with the Enslaved Jinns, which you can pitch and bring back with another Jinn. 
So you have a lot of options there. You can play with, is it Zyko and, and Young Battle Cat? That's totally crab tech right there. I played it in Manus in Chicago. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> then who else do I like? I mean, I like Renyu. He has a, a healthy gold cost, but given that he's a Shugenja and, and his abilities, he seems like he's worth it. Although hopefully I, I won't have to actually face him punching my guys in the face. Since he specifically hits Dragon? Yeah, yeah. Well, or Gaijin, but I, I don't think anybody's playing a Gaijin deck right now. But of the non-uniques, I, I'm, I wouldn't be in th- particularly enthused of him except for the Crab Box, and that's Hida Taisho. Since you're just trading his force before another guy's force, but that that seems like that might make him workable. I don't know, I feel like in terms of the crab box, I'd rather use it for the Torataka that just straight out bows a card or something like that. Yeah, better options. Let's see, Lion. I guess they don't seem off to a, a super great start, but it seems like most of the things that people are talking about are, are tactician-focused things. Uh, the Sun Returns, you mentioned. Death of the Winds got reprinted in 20 festivals, which gives them a, an affordable toolbox option. They have just generic stuff, or I guess the Sensei's on the face just a dueling Sensei, but as a practical matter, that's a tactician dueling deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The um, neither of their their themes I think is developed to the point where it's really quite there yet. The battle cats or the the dueling tacticians, but they're certainly interesting. And obviously, being able to go into your deck and get any action out is a really good ability, as is vowing a tactician to cancel an action. So you get that in both cases with that style of deck. Yeah, no, but they they can tutor up your first Zyko to get your, your young Battle Cat uh, action going. Two Force attachments seem to have a hard time being good enough, it, even if they seem like they've got really handy abilities, if they don't have Destined or something, but but being able to yeah the, tutor out the, the... tutor things out makes them much, much better. It is just strategies, but yeah, anytime that you can go into the deck and get stuff is good. Oh no, no I'm sorry, no, Death of the Winds, but they they have the the Matsu Daimyo. Oh yes, uh, Zyko, gets the Zyko, and then yeah. Zyko can go get Young Battle Cats. Sorry mm-hmm. that, uh, but yes, Death Death of the Winds just strategy, and then what is and then directing the battle, which is just a bad Death of the Winds, right? I kind of looked at that and I'm like, am I missing something about what this card does? kind of sits in your binder because it's not good enough. I, yeah, I, it felt odd to have them in the same set. Well, directing the battle doesn't require a tactician, so anyone can play that card as a, an incredibly ghetto version of inspired <laughs> strategy. Yes. I, yeah. Uh, I don't know. So, of the lion personalities, Matsu Kuroko, the free melee three, effectively, mm-hmm. did you I mean attacking is really all you care about when you're lion rights? I know people like personal honor, but Akoto Arasu, effectively a fear four, seemed like an affordable body. I don't know that he he doesn't theme in with anything, but he he seems like the sort of guy, especially when we switch over to just twenty festivals, is efficient enough that he would get played just on that basis. But maybe I'm overvaluing a fear four. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of him. I would say that I I actually do like Taiketsu with the invest to put an Aijutsu strategy back in your hand. 
Yes. So if you're playing the doing deck, like that's a really good ability. I like the design on that card a lot. And there's a couple of solid guys that Lion have from the previous expansions. Too. So for in terms of putting that the decks together, right now it's a little bit eclectic. I don't think you quite have the cards to say this is my one theme, but I'm sure that it's going to get there because you know they're going to get support in the first expansion. Yeah, Ta- Taiketsu. If you're playing with the duels, he's fantastic. I so I Phoenix. Of course, the overriding thing for Phoenix is they went from box that everyone hated to box that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I hear that your stronghold can be important in this game. Eh. I mean, it, it starts in play. It defines the core concepts of what your deck does in most of the time. I guess you're... <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I was going to I say that, but I, I suppose that their, their old box often just didn't define anything about what their deck did. Probably having spells. Yeah, which was kind of the part of the problem with it. You're like, well, I don't really want to run spells, but uh, so I guess I'll just play this box that doesn't do anything because it's the only one I got. So they have Water Shugenja as their fully supported theme. Inquisitors seems like it's going to be their theme that shows up or the theme whose sensei shows up later, although it, it seems like there are some of the Inquisitors that are could be handy enough to get played now. They get a couple of naval Shugenja. You've got Soul of Asawa Mizuhiko. He was pretty fantastic back back in the day, although I, I guess he, he does cost three now instead of one. <laughs> this is true. He's still pretty fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> well, because that's, why do I care about naval? Because I put a spell on myself. Hey. Why not? Uh, you can still do obnoxious seeking the way things with any random naval shugenja, even a defensive deck. So there's always that. There are a number of, of solid spells in this, but one that seemed like it was specifically for the the Phoenix, because it was specifically about the water shugenja, was Frozen Tomb, one gold for two force and an engage action. That It's a, a very solid force ratio. Do you think that's going to get played for them? Yeah, Frozen Doom gets played in a lot of the Shugenja military decks. It's not just the action, I mean, the force bonus. It The action itself is really good against Honor decks running progressive and Dishonored decks running progressive. So, just in that, it's worth playing for those decks. And if you get the plus two because the guy's water, that's perfect. You don't defend because you want a progressive, and I just say I don't move. Or, well, I guess it just doesn't let you not defend and use progressive. But, right, you have the option to use it on your own guy to make them stay in the battle, but then you also could potentially use it on an opposing personality to make them take the force penalties, right? Absolutely. So, it's a little bit of of extra versatility there. Scorpion, I I think I joked when they were doing the, the first previews for these that Scorpion sees the return of themes that didn't work last time. Ninja dueling and... With the gets a sensei now, and then bitter lies, which gets a sensei later, and I can only assume that that sensei will hand out madness tokens. You don't want to rely on throws of madness being your only source <laughs> to power the entire deck. I, I, no, I that I guess has was a the design challenge last time for bitter lies. Kenzie is that they. You want to have the whole we're crazy thing reflected in the card somehow, and they did that last time by doing randomness, 
you'd pull cards off the top of your deck and is the focus value even this happens is the focus value odd that happens and people just did not like that it it didn't help that they were kind of uh yeah, it was just a, a lot just of the a time. little bit of a mess it, yeah it was it was interesting i felt that the bitter lies kensei theme never before had i seen in one arc a clan concept from going to fairly popular to completely loathed by its player base. <laughs> Although the theft, whatever that means, of bitter lies from the Scorpion as a result of one of the Kote wins seems to have drastically increased the affection again that they had for the bitter lies Kensei. I <laughs> uh, don't know what you got till it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, with, uh, with Scorpion, the real key is just the return of some really solid personalities from prior arcs. Seeing Bayushi Jow back, even again, she doesn't get the cost discount. She used to cost four, but she was incredible, and I'm sure still is. I haven't barely picked up Scorpion too much. Katsui, the soul of Shigeru, again, just come in and whack somebody, and then he's got some force when he defends. And bringing back what's his name uh, Kadanshi, so you get two ninjas for the price of one. <laughs> yeah, and Bayushi Jow came back as Junko. Yeah, right? I think that's right. Yeah, you, you lose honor every time, or your opponent loses honor when they target her, and then if they choose not to just kill her when they target her, then she gets to run away if you want. Mm-hmm. But they seem like they've got some decent guys coming in for the the Ninja Duelist. And there is Scorpion military out there, although I feel like the most prominent Scorpion deck is still Dishonor right now. Has that been what you've seen for your Kote? It's been a mix. The area around me, I mean, we've got some really good Dishonor players. Dave Lapp's great, who I beat in the finals down in Knoxville. I know that Bob Martin in the Midwest is playing mm-hmm. military, and his deck is very much designed to be a Manus killer. So <laughs> between the box and some of the larger personalities they have, you can do a lot with Scorpion military if you're going to be in a Manus-heavy field. It has some weaker matchups against the other clans, but for that purpose, it's really good. Yeah, I... I suspect that if you're going to a Kote these days, having a decent matchup against Mantis is probably a really good idea. Mm-hmm. If you can manage that at all. Yes, a shame Lookout Post isn't a little bit better at its job, but oh well. Well, it's great at its job. Unfortunately, its job is preventing cavalry, not preventing naval. Well, yeah. I mean, it does both, but the, the way that it shuts down cavalry is incredibly strong. The way that it shuts down naval where they don't waste the action... Kind of yeah, it, it's broader than than just naval, but yeah, it's it's lousy as naval meta because, as you you mentioned, it they don't actually lose the action. So, Spider seems to have pulled out of their rut of terribleness. I don't know if they were as terrible last year, in the second half of last year, as some thought, but certainly they're they're better now. They actually got a Kote win already, which I believe is more than they picked up all last year. Was last year the one where As Johnson won, or was that two years ago? Uh, I don't remember, but either way, yes, yeah, Spider has been down for a while, and they're definitely one of the stronger clans yeah. now. Again, having a solid Manus matchup is huge. Uh, Simon Kopp just wrote that article about the, the tempo and the fact that Sheikah Manus gets the province advantage, and Spider is really the only one that can match it as the game drags out. That's really big. Having a Kura's release plus your box ability is still always going to be strong. And they got some good personalities. Plus, they're developing the ninja theme, and I really like what they're doing with the ninjas, removing abilities and giving extra benefits with their abilities when people don't have abilities. 
Yeah, the the twisted one steals abilities. That's pretty handy. Yurishi, if I'm remembering the, I guess he's actually more of a daimyo than we than I thought he was going to be when he got previewed, since the shadow dragon got locked up. Right. In the meantime, he makes the character if they have no abilities or if they have zero force the personality. Yeah. And then you've got also got Mitsuru, who's four force for four gold if anyone in the opposing has no abilities. So. Yeah. And of course, Kamuru and his open ambushing. <laughs> That's kind of solid. At least he can't ambush bad guys. We'll take what we can get. <laughs> Although I guess you're not trying to kill in battle resolution with him anyway. Right. He will take out attachments in battle resolution, but not oh. peeps. Yeah, so I guess if you can find somebody with just a whole bunch of bowed followers, but no force on his own, that would be your your ideal Kamoru fight, but that doesn't seem like it's likely to come up. <laughs> You got Naibu, which maybe most notable because we there's actually just a flat out spider monster in the base set, not for a theme or anything, but just we're just deploying goblins alongside with all these Shadowland ninja, possible nod to the ramping up of the the monster side of the uh, you know the the monster Jigoku side of the the spider in coming events. And from a straight-up numbers perspective, he's great. He's 3-3 three, three for 4, he's got the expendable keyword, and he's got Commander, which when you're playing with the followers, if you want to run some of the Commander strategies, he's right there. Do you think the expendable is enough to... 3 fours for 4 gold often seems like the sort of personality that gets you in consideration, but then often not actually in the deck? Depends on what you're actually doing. If you're looking to play with bigger followers where you're looking to spend more gold on that side of the deck rather than on the Dynasty side, then he kind of fits in there perfectly. I don't know, having been a Crane Scout player, like that deck was all 3-3 three, three for 4 for the most part, so I just look at it and it's a good stat line for me. It's enough that the, st- the stat line is an attraction rather than a detriment. Right. To the, the personality. Uh, Unicorn, they have their box no longer giving the fifth gold on the first turn. Their new sensei is, is Magistrates. When I look over their guys for what their decks are doing now, I don't seem... I don't feel too impressed for them. Like, I don't... Their Magistrate deck does not feel like it has enough there yet to be something you would want to do. Even though I... Shinjo Tehun, the experienced guy, I I like him. I I wish his card reflected things that had happened at Winter Court 3, but whatever. Well, it could be an Experience 2 version, unless he died. I don't know. I didn't follow Winter Court 3, so... The um, Unicorn has a few few options in here, but I agree with you about the Magistrate theme. I don't really see it's there, and this could be a bit of a playstyle thing. When I look at Unicorn, I'm not attracted to the Unicorn Clan to play Magistrates. I'm attracted to the Unicorn Clan to go and kill provinces with cavalry, shoot people, so Moto Iconral, I really like having the range 3 that straightens if you have another cavalry guy there. The reprint of Pycow does give you 2, 3, 3 for 5 infantry guys with battle actions when you play Ark, because they have the other guy that's in uh, in Ivory. Yeah. The Ivory guy is better, because he doesn't require the discard, but it does give you some redundancy there. Uh, Shinjo Shushin coming back as Nobunaga, he was always a really solid unicorn guy. If you don't cavalry with him, he's 4-4, he bows for a ranged 4. So that's a way to go in and take provinces. And then it seemed to me that the design for some of the other cavalry guys was let's get 4 force for 8, so you can stick a 4 force follower on him and go solo a province. <laughs> um, or 5 force for 10 in the case of Zaisatsu. Yeah. I mean, I know she's 
in a theme I mentioned before, although she is not four fours for her eight, you do have another reserve destined mm-hmm. personality in Sakiko. I thought she was good. Taigo seems to have unicorn players fairly excited, partially that's just because he's Shogun, but he should really come into his own later in the year when they get whatever their conqueror sensei is. Right. Or sorry, not conqueror sensei, their commander sensei yeah. seems to be with their... But he is a conqueror, so I mean, that's incredible enough. He's got a battle action on him. He's a 4-4 tactician. Yes. Cav, conqueror, attack, commander, and if he's got a follower, uh, a battle ability. So... Playable now, but should be pretty nice later. There's a couple of sensei that would support multiple clan things, or or who knows what. There's the elemental dragons, which I think is really cool to have back, but does not seem to have constructed applications. It's almost there. I was so close to playing the deck at Phoenixville, and there were two guys who did play it. The way that you play, when we were discussing earlier about the Unicorn Shugenja and how inferior they were to the five gold Ronin Shugenja, you play all the five gold Ronin Shugenja, you play the one Unicorn guy, Corrin, I think his name is, who gains naval with a water spell, and you play Chiwa, because she's really good, and you're playing a Unicorn Shugenja military deck. That's the core of the deck, that's the way that it plays. You play all the spells that give you, the big ones that give you force bonuses when they come in, and then that lets you run the dragons. So essentially, you're trying to play normally, take a province turn four, and then you've hit that 15 force point, and you can bring the dragon in. And with Unicorn, you don't lose your going second bonus of having the additional cycle. You only lose the battle action. I wish that it didn't take the battle actions away. I wish that there was some other way that it was built in so they were a little bit more, but the, it feels like the deck is really close. It's just inconsistent. And the dragons themselves are awesome. I'm not a huge fan of fire because of the fact that bowing a seven force guy to do a range seven, I'd rather have him not bowed, but the other four are all awesome. Yeah, well, you know, just come up with some way to... To straighten him. Yeah, I guess the, the range 7 is likely to be wasted much of the time. Look for a, a single weapon equipped Kensei. You can, <laughs> you can go like, hey, exactly 7 force. Yeah. Bust him up. We've got Digiro Sensei covering half the clans, give or take, for fortifications. I guess I'm not super enthused with him. I... Partially, it's because I look at it from a dragon point of view. I'm like, I can just play a sensei that gives me plus two force, right? Plus two province strength, or other things that increase province strength, and he puts a cap on your province strength, too. I'm with you. I don't see the deck that he's really there for. I can see the throwbacks to, like, Caillou Wall's crab, but in terms of the two fortification decks that I'm seeing right now, which are Dragon and Phoenix, I just don't really see him fitting in. The other half the clan's sensei seems to have much more potential, and that's Taitaken Sensei. You know, depending on the clan, you have to double-check to make sure that the one family honor hit isn't depriving you of anybody important, but especially with weapons, you can you can get a lot more force a lot more efficiently out of your weapons if you're not having them with built-in awesome abilities, but Sensei turns Fubatsu Blade into a wrecking ball. Mm-hmm. And especially with the fact that our Holy Strike is back in the set. So yes. you obviously you can't combine off this with cards in the unit, but being able to unholy strike it and hit with a five, you've got all the fearless followers that were clearly designed for work with this sensei because they straighten themselves after they bow to your own action. Yeah. <laughs> Those are an odd array of guys. I So I guess they, they just wanted a, a bunch of fairly vanilla looking followers, but they don't want to just reprint. All of the 
light infantry, light cavalry, light so they just we'll just make another series out of them. Sure, but I mean, I don't really think that they're vanilla at all. The fact that they're immune to fear is big because fear is something that Spider's doing. It's something that Lion is doing if they're playing their dueling. You see, there you know a bunch of good things that have fear, and that straighten ability not only off Titakin Sensei, which is the most obvious impact, but anything else that's going to require you to bow a follower or bow cards in a unit. That's a really versatile ability, and it's something that I think that from a design perspective they can expand on as things go through. You can print maybe a card like Peasant Vengeance or maybe something that's a little bit different along those lines, and then it becomes yet another reason you're going to want to run those cards. Now, what is not in this set, and I, I say it must come, it must come. We've got another couple of seem pretty solid undead cards, but there's still no undead sensei. Why is there no necromancer sensei yet? I can't answer you that one. <laughs> Moto Daigoro and Voitagi, if mm-hmm. you had a deck that could not explode to all the undead honor losses, along with the unquiet Moto out of the, the follower slot. You're right. It, it would be very surprising if that wasn't coming. I mean, just from looking at those cards. Well, I thought when I saw Ivory Edition, like, oh, there's so much undead stuff in Ivory Edition, there's got to be a an undead sensei coming this year and it didn't so yeah but i guess this would be as long as it came out this year you could still go back and lose all use all those other ones and they wouldn't have gone to waste just yet because are any of the undead cards as as solid as they are in some ways have any of those actually gotten play it since ivory came out well, Voitagi in, in 20 festivals I've seen in decks. Okay. That, I, I don't really remember what all of them were, but probably not. The Unquiet Moto seems pretty solid, too. A non-bound range attack is strong. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, right, the default for ranged attacks is you're giving up whatever your guy is to get the ranged attack. Or you're it, doing something like Cole Regulars where you're paying 8 for a range, a follower that's 3 force and does a range 3. Yeah, or, or you have some guy with a range 2, or but... There's a couple of big from you know his from a historical point of view and I guess from a gold cost point of view older cards that came back in the unaligned slot Ninja Shapeshifter and Rattling Raider each had their own bits of awesomeness back in the in the day do you think they'll be able to relive any of their glory days this year Normally, I would think that Raider would be able to because it's the more powerful of the two in a vacuum, but Shapeshifter is actually the one that's seeing play in decks. There's a Spider Chi Loss deck that uses the Shifter to copy Tyral, and you can ambush people with Kamoru, and you have a, two or three of those effects off, and you're essentially killing somebody off every turn, which is really good. And since Kamoru is, is an open, you can do it on their turn and your turn, throwing out negative three Chi and just killing people. So the Shifter is definitely seeing play in that deck. The Raider, I haven't really figured out how to break it. Uh, he was a core personality in one of my absolute favorite decks off the Winter Warriors Rattling, and I would love to be able to figure out something to do with him right now, but there just don't seem to be enough actions where I can blow him up and bring him back, which is normally what you do with him, and make him much more efficient than just giving you three guys for ten. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so were there any, are there any personalities or holdings that we have skipped over that you think deserve attention. Terramudo, I mentioned briefly, just him being an unaligned courtier samurai, giving you honor when he comes into play, and comboing with honored sensei. He's really strong. Yeah, well, just... It seems like every time they print a cheap, unaligned 
courtier who either gains honor, you know, does, does the whole like minor honor gain when they come into play. That guy's worth playing in an appropriate honor deck, or at least has a chance. So, but yeah, and that that was mentioned earlier. So, moving to the other card types, sort of individual things that seem noteworthy, right? So events aren't that many of them. The new order seems far and away the most significant of them because it's actual strong honor meta, which is usually what people are looking for when they're going to bother to meta against honor or dishonor. They want something that has a, a big impact. Yeah, the new, the new order is incredible, uh, especially in Spider, because it's essentially not even costing you anything if you're playing against an honor deck. You still get your extra flip. And it activates Counting House for you at the beginning of the game. There's so much that it does. But yeah, that deck's seeing play in a lot of cards, especially as good as Phoenix and Dragon Honor are looking at the start. And possibly Crane, but I haven't figured Crane out yet. Enlistment's the other one that's going to see a lot of play. Yep. Especially in clans that don't have card draw. That's kind of another side benefit that Manus gets, because Manus gets the card draw, and if they're playing followers, they get your enlistment card draw too. <laughs> I definitely, during games, saw my opponents having to make that decision of whether or not they were going to run that enlistment. And I've seen Manus players that run it, too. Uh, I know Jim Balthus does, and resolving it against me, he chose not to in the first game that we played and then did in the second game. And it was nice to have it, but when we didn't have it, you know, with Manus, you're still drawing a bunch of cards either way. Yes, I hear card draw wins games. It certainly uh. can. <laughs> Those were the two events that I had... Uh, written down in the followers. We've talked about some of them already. Ashigaru Archers, Ashigaru Spearmen got play in Ivory just because the card draw was bad. Ashigaru Archers seems like it just sorry, just because it had the, the card draw. Ashigaru Archers seems like it has the potential to do that. You can stack it on your personalities with ranged attacks for, for something juicy. Do you think that'll get some play like the Spearman did? Definitely will. I've already seen it. I mean, Chris Medico put that right into his Manus deck, and he's the one who originally designed the Sheikah Manus that I was playing. Mm-hmm. Also, a noteworthy with regards to Ashigar Archers is that the timing has changed on Ashigar Spearman, which were printed in Ivory. There are MRPs of that in the book, which now you draw the card at the end of the current turn instead of at the start of your next Dynasty phase. The archers did that, and they changed the spearmen to do that as well. So you actually get the card a little bit earlier if you attach them on your opponent's turn. Amoral wave men, if you want to something to do with your three gold other than draw a card out of your mantis deck, or anything else, having the ability to do the three, remove your opponent's presence, and then straighten them. Yeah, in a vacuum, paying three gold to straighten something is not a particularly sexy ability, but having it there as an option when you need it without it requiring some sort of card out of your hand is a lot handier. And then, so we already talked, the other the other reprint that not not in, even vaguely as significant as Enslaved Jin, but Camel Mounts. Mm-hmm. Always seemed like that should get played a little bit more than it, it did, but... Camel Mounts is solid, especially with the number of uh, Sensei that are being run that drop decks to 6 Province Strength. I mean, my crab has a six province, right? I think it goes first. Sheikah Manus is a six. So if you throw them on a four-force guy, that's taking a province. Yeah. Hidden Reserves Hidden, is really yeah. solid. Yeah. Is it like a fixed Cavalry Reserves that they're still playable? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, cavalry Escort, you mean? Yeah, a little no, bit escort, of that. Yeah. But, uh, but it's nice because it does let you do a normal follower slot that also can be your move-in instead of you necessarily having to play Thrill of Daring or another move-in action. 
Yeah. Yeah. That, and then the other follower I had noted that we hadn't talked about was Lookout, just for the, you know, for the possibility of nuking somebody at home. Always something I'd like to, you know, you want to keep an eye on. Mm hmm. I don't, I mean, Ninja Dex could use it. And Ninja Guards is solid too. When you've got like four force ninjas, you're getting a four force follower for four. Yeah. Or you throw it on Natoshi and it's five force, you know, whatever you need to do there. On the, the weapon slash item front, Bicento, it seems like in this contemporary area of design, as it were, starting with the, the ivory bug things, just getting a moderate amount of force for a, a fairly high gold cost, but with a really good ability is the sort of thing that gets played at least a little bit mm-hmm. for weapons. And Bicento seems to repeat that trend. It's, it's two force for six instead of three for seven or eight, which is what we've seen more of, such as the reprinted Lost Blade of the Maharaja. But that seems like it's something that'll get played. Yeah, that, I'll, you'll definitely see that in decks. Yeah. Some of the reprints are, are really good. Tiger Claw is uh you know a, a kill action on it which is very strong a melee three getting up to that number versatile blade is still good yep. tachi is a card that i'm seeing getting a surprising amount of play mostly because i mocked that card mercilessly the last time it was legal but <laughs> because of the amount of force penalties in the environment being able to throw that on one of your bigger guys and having him i mean chica manis for instance you get a guy up to seven or eight force and you can't overwhelming offense him that's going to be a tough guy to deal with you better have a couple of send home cards in your hand uh, lacquered armor being able to reduce ranged attacks, something that I think could definitely see play more Manus Mena. Fubatsu Blade giving you a three force for four gold items since the other two have cycled out. Yeah, and since it'll matter for some of these decks, it it carries the four focus value if I'm recalling mm-hmm. correctly. Certainly. Does. So you get that for the the duels. Yeah, and I think that was what I wrote about. That was one of the reasons I was thinking about the. The two force, two gold attachment thing is that there seem to be a number of those in this that are like that, but man, that you know, far, farmers, comma, like oh, that's it's, it's, it's the sort of thing like that seems like it could have potential, but just never really works out. Or the nunchucks. Well, they're they're specifically designed for the Manus Kensai deck. You've got the the one guy that actually has synergy with them. And it's a deck where you maybe you want to spend a little bit less on your weapons than you would in Dragon Kensei because you're trying to spend three gold to draw an extra card every turn. They're peasant, which activates a couple, at least a couple things already, and expendable. I guess if you're lucky, a very cheap version of the Tachi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, and the other one that I like is Eternal Armor, just giving a discard cost when people target the personality. Having the same stats as the lacquered armor, whereas uh, la- it gives you the minus two range attack strength, but it also gives you the ability to abort. Whereas eternal mm-hmm. armor is just going to make it harder for your opponent to take you down in the first place. Right, it depends on what your deck's trying to do, which yeah. is better for the deck. On spells, divide into ash seems the sexiest of those. Definitely, and the fact that it's jade, so you're paying for it with your jade works and your shigendu deck. There are a couple of spells that, that exist along with Divided Ash, which provide really efficient stat uh, ability things as compared to some of the other item types, although I guess that's why you are paying for poor stats on your Shigenja, because they get access to the awesome spells. Generally. Um, I mean, Mark of Heaven's Favor, I guess, is the big money spell in the set because of the fact that it's a new rare and that if you're playing Shugenja Honor, it's incredibly good for hitting your Temple Fortresses or whatever other Honor-producing holding you're using. 
Yes. Yeah, going from one to two on an honor gain on a holding is is a lot. Just as a as a meta choice, I don't know if there's anybody who has the. Maybe it's just it, it's just not going to cut it because it costs something. But is f- favor of the air spirits actually worth running out there if you've got air shoe genja? I don't know what the deck is that uses it. It would depend on how plentiful things were. You've also got the kata that does it for ranged attacks only that prevents your guys from dying. I mean, being able to retarget can be huge. On the other hand, it's on board, so it's not like your opponent can't play around it. Yeah, I feel like Favor of the Air Spirits basically says, you need to take care of this first with something that's not a ranged or melee attack, because they seem fairly unlikely to fire a ranged attack into Favor of the Air Spirits, although I'm still trying to figure out how the Air Spirits are stopping the melee attack. Um, maybe they're blowing the sword back at you? <laughs> I don't know. It's a very flimsy sword. Stop hitting yourself. <laughs> but, I mean, really, for that slot, if I'm looking for range attack protection, I'll just run Ward of Air. And yeah. I'll keep, you know, to keep the guys around. So, yeah, I think that one's probably a little... It's, it's a good piece of design. I, I like what it does, but I can't see the real-world applications of it, I guess. And then there's three Earth... I guess are themed spells, although only one, two of them, only two of them actually care about you being Earth. The one that doesn't really care is Kyoshi's Wrath, decent, uh, repeatable bow, Earth's Embrace, free on an Earth Shugenja, give you some nice force, and then potential indestructibility during battle resolution for Hitomi's Devotion, although I don't know if there's enough ranged attacks out there right now that you just uh, don't want to really concern yourself with that. Yeah, that's again, that's a, a tough fitting. And you've also got Armor of the Emperor, which is an Earth spell that has expendable if the Shienges are so. It's not, and it's free. It's another one you can go with. I wasn't sure if the effect on Armor of the Emperor was enough to make it worth the initial layout. I mean, if it were, if it were, well, I was going to say, if it was destined instead of expendable, but if it was destined instead of expendable, it'd be stupid. So Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's another card that you can look at like for draft purposes, too. If you've drafted some Urshu Genja, that becomes a lot better in a little more limited environment. Is there a proactive way that an Urshu Genja deck is using that extra 3-4s? Or is it just going to be more resistance to other effects? Yeah, it's just resistance. But I mean, that's basically what Urshu is about, right? Yeah. Were there any other spells that you thought stood out? No, that's pretty much it, I think. I mean, there's some reprints that, you know, stuff that we've seen before. Yeah. Uh, the See the Many Faces, which once the Magistrate IQs you of being Shadowlands deck is out, is obviously going to be a key part of that. Yeah. And it comes back from your discard, just like the, the one that was Legal and Emperor, whose name I've already forgotten. <laughs> yeah. I always break out into a separate category, duels, because... Almost any duel is always significant as far as what dueling decks are, are looking for. So we, there was at least four in this. It's that Odd Witness, which was certainly playable back in the day. Yeah, military dueling, that'll go right in. Yeah, Brazen Challenge. Clash of Blades, not a military dueling card. but <laughs> Well, or not a pure uh, military. I guess it could be Switch. Sure, or in the Crane deck that gets the Force bonus with yeah. when you face Dishonored Personalities. Turning off abilities is always solid, and it's a four-focus match. Yeah, and it gains honor even with the dragon one, which doesn't seem like it's going to have a military option. You Dishonoring guys opens them off those stuff. It gains you one honor. Okay, that's not huge, but hey, that's one point closer to your win condition. 
and with Yodo Sensei will trigger him and mm-hmm. give you another honor for that. And then Show Me Your Stance shows up as well. And then not a duel, but duelists also have the possibility of using uh, Gaining an Edge. The duelist move in, yeah. There's not a terrible lot of apps that move in straighten in the environment anymore. So it, mm-hmm. it seems like anything that you get is is worth noting. There are a couple of specialty honor and dishonor cards. Dishonor, you've got civil discussion and test of sincerity. At least I, I, I don't, I don't really expect my opponents to ever blow up their guys with my test of sincerity. So, well, if you're playing a dishonor deck, sometimes you know gaining the four could be. Yeah, I mean, it, well, the, the dishonor, yeah, for two, and that honor gets selfless politics and usurpation, and all of those are. Two two hits, or I guess civil discussion can be a three hit. Mm-hmm. And then in, in the reprint category for the Dishonored X, Mercantile Conflict came back. I, I hear that is important. A little. <laughs> was there I mean, anything else in that you think specifically for Honor or Dishonored X that was... Alliance Threatened is really solid for those decks. Having uh, you know a Force Plunge that if their cavalry is absent... And if you commit a defender, they kill him. You can still play it. Uh, so yeah, I guess any defensive deck, but I guess that's really honor and dishonor. Uh, yeah, rank hath privilege for magistrate honor. Bowing your guy to bow their guy isn't open. Yeah, and that was one of the open bow to bows I was thinking of. For mm-hmm. the more military-focused decks, you get Saki House Brawl. Yep. Traditionally, open bow my guys to bow guys on your turn. <laughs> control, literal control, I guess that... That doesn't have to be a, de- a defensive deck that's playing that. Yeah, that can be played in either. Um, let's see, there's a couple other ones. Absolution, the negate an event effect. If you're uh, yeah, because it new order, <laughs> that becomes pretty solid there. Um, I feel like there's one other card that I'm not thinking of. Oh, the new terrain. Um, bridging the gap or something like that. Uh, there is a bridging the, is yeah, that, bridging the gap, uh, the plus strength. four province strength terrain. So if you're playing a dueling honor deck, that's the terrain that you want to reuse because it's got the four focus value. A non-dueling honor deck, you're probably still going to use in circle terrain, which is a little bit better, I think. Yeah. But having the four on it is pretty important because otherwise your terrain slot isn't going to have a four. Yeah, the the one terrains are really hard because you, presumably if you're a defensive dueling deck, you've already got come one at a time. Right. So you you can maybe afford a couple more ones beyond that. But those are precious little slots. Oh, and building contract, too. Forgot about that one. So, Honor Dishonored X, let you get your holdings. Do you think that won't get play out of it, or is it just so much better for them because they get to go get something that gains honor? Yeah, exactly. They're going to be getting a card that's specifically pertinent to their win condition. Because of the fact that it raises the cost of non-fortifications by one, it's not going to see play like Peace did, where that was a card that was in every deck. Mm-hmm. It's you know going to be something where if there's a specific holding that you're looking for, and whether it's Slanderer, Brain Cascade in Temple Fortress, uh, Carpenter Shrine, all those are really good holdings to go out for those two types of decks. And hey, there's there was at least one actual fortification in there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on the the meta side against those sorts of decks, outmaneuvered by force for any sort of political shenanigans and then the code of bushido people really don't like playing meta like that's why i mentioned that with new order when people want meta that's specifically for honor or dishonor it it seems hard 
to get people to play that unless it's really brutal. So I don't know if if those are punchy enough to actually get in. But, I mean, do you think people will end up playing with those? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think the main meta card that people are going to play with is Accessible Terrain, which is just a great way to meta any deck that's playing a lot of Send Home. Yeah, just, oh, look, all my guys come back in. <laughs> See, what else do we have in strategies? Here's just a little weird pair. You've got Assassin Strike and Balance in Nothingness. Balance in Nothingness does not seem playable like it, like I want it to be because I remember it being awesome. The only time I remember it being awesome was playing the uh, Importune Kami deck to keep him alive against all the limited PK. But that's the thing. An effect that targets your bad personality in battle, that very, very rarely happens. And yeah. there isn't much in the way of effects that target your guys in the action phase anymore. So, yeah, I don't see balance nothing as being much. Assassin Strike is nice. Kind of depends on what your deck is doing. It can be a really good card. It can just be a dead card, too. Yeah. A big name card that came back, although it lost a substantial chunk of its utility, was Feign Death. No longer can it be used to save you from battle resolution. That still seems like something to consider. Mm -hmm. If you're, hey, effectively getting a guy for free who is otherwise going to die. Eh. And, you're, and if you're, especially if you're playing a deck that either something like Dragon Starting Ring of Air where you can straighten him so he's ready for the next turn, or if you're playing a crab deck where you've got a bunch of guys in there that cost 10 and 11, it really increases the uh, utility of it. I put pure intent in here. I guess there's a warrior's brutality too. Those are cards that are not super exciting, but you do end up with decks that just want to play force bonuses because... Mm -hmm. They're about swinging early, and if you don't defend, well, I've just got enough static force to take your province, and if you do defend, here's my handful of force pump. So those seems like those could could make it out. Yeah, definitely. Holding Cells is back, which is a really fun card, because there's essentially no answer to it, other than Lakeside Retreat, which is also back. Yes. And being the active player, since the timing is the same. Interference is back, just to give spider players really terrible flashbacks of trying to play their ninja box and emperor. <laughs> uh, Knife in the Darkness is back for especially the spider ninja deck, but also the scorpion. That's a great send home action since it can't be negated. Lost in Transit's really good for bowing attachments. There's a lot of attachments that get played now. Sometimes it's dead, but uh, it does have the discipline, so you can get two bows out of it. That's funny. I remember that card being atrocious. When was that card last? Just last arc, yeah. Dude. Was it? <laughs> the only time I ever saw anyone run it to good effect was uh, Donnie. James Donathorn Tate was running it in mm. Phoenix Dishonor to bow when the Egg of Panku came out or things like that. And uh, and that worked out for him. But yeah, no, I, I've had some luck with that card in decks. Yeah, that's been around the whole time. I, just, I, don't, yeah, I don't know that I've actually seen that game. I guess that was... I, I guess it would have been arc. Ivory arc was still a little punchier because yeah that's right okay so it it was around in arc but it wasn't in just ivory strict and i i have to say that with ivory they really finally made attachments just a thing that you are going to get played they are mm -hmm. going to get played you are going to see them you know we're not in a, a universe anymore where attachment meta is worthless or has to be you know, destroy all attachments in your opponent's deck right. to be playable. Uh, <laughs> a new thing that's getting meta, I guess, or we new, new for these time frames, is there does seem to be a little bit of anti-swarm meta running around. 
scour the unworthy is pretty explicitly that standing fast can be just good in general, but it's especially good against something like Swarm. Yeah, I was going to bring those guys up last because that's a good pair. You've also got rewards of experience for really good battle bow. You know, battle bow that targets entire units is just really strong with that and standing fast if you're making bigger units. Superior Tactics is back. It has also lost some utility, but... Yeah, it had to leave my big decks. I was very sad. <laughs> I can't move people into unresolved battles anymore. A <laughs> uh, couple other reprints that are really good. Wedge, because Blitz decks are definitely a thing. So being able to double the force and just losing the guy at the end is worth it. Strategic Withdrawal is still really strong, and absolutely combos with Alliance Threatened, since you did have presence at the battle at one point. Yep. It's a two-card combo that you can get somebody negative six. And then one of my favorite new pieces of design and new cards, Spinning the Web, which certainly combos with some of the Sensei to be able to use multiple times. Combo that I ran in the strict 20 Festivals tournament, which I think will come back again as some more cards go out, was Titakin Sensei, Fearless Followers, and Spinning the Web where essentially you have a couple of those and you're losing no force to kill two or three guys, and you're throwing out negative one, negative ones. And then in addition to that, you've got the the ninja action portion of it if you're really targeting someone and hoping to burn them on down. I have to say I, I don't like this card, and I, I don't like it because I, I look at it and I'm like, okay, if if you could not come up with a more elegant way to phrase this effect, maybe you just shouldn't have made it. <laughs> The thing about the card is there's a wall of text on it, but if it just said, give somebody negative one, negative one, straighten your sensei, use it again, it would see play. Yeah, my not liking it doesn't have anything to do with the power level thing, but if it just had the first two sentences, I think it would be a better card. Not a more powerful card, obviously, (laughs) but a, a better card. I No, I'm feeling you on that. Apparently have to figure out a better way to phrase that. I did... A while ago now, I, I did something like a a top 10 cards, what I thought were like the 10 best cards or maybe the best cards per faction or or something like that from Emperor Edition. And I, I wrote this article and I explicitly said at the top of it, this is not an article about power level. Mm-hmm. This is an article about design. It's about having good art. It's about having good flavor text. It's about having abilities that like represent the character. And there were so many comments that were just like, this guy does not understand anything. These cards are terrible. These are like, what? Those, nobody would play those cards. I'm like, oh. You missed the point. I, I'm like, I, I don't know what to, I don't know. I don't know what to, to title that or something. Because clearly it needs to be in the title of the article, not just a statement in the first paragraph right. of the article. Uh, <laughs> on the still legal because it got reprinted front, breaking the rhythm, mm-hmm. along with strate- strategic withdrawal, two cards that don't necessarily seem too sexy, but are can play really vital roles. Yeah, they're workhorses. I don't know. I, I'll see, I, I wrote down test of character, and we'll have to see if that works out. I guess you really want to be targeting guys who are one person alone. There, and there aren't just... I don't actually know what that card does, which probably gives a little bit away about what I thought about its power <laughs> level the first time I read it. Let me take a look. Okay. Yeah, they, you discard the top card of their fate deck. If it's greater than or equal to the personal honor of the guy, then you dishonor him and draw a card, except it, it, you're right, if the guy's got... I guess if the guy's already dishonored, you can just use it as a cycle. Mm-hmm. Target him. If the guy's got one personal honor, it's virtually guaranteed. I write the Unquiet Moto actually have a zero focus value. Is that the one? They do. Smoke and Mirrors is a zero. Yeah. 
Uh, if you have in your spiders that are zeros, you can always hit those with almost everything. Yeah, well, yeah, certainly, right? Oh, against spider, yes, I just disarm you and draw a card. That's not really going to be an issue. But then you can <laughs> ultimately you can run into decks where just you will not be able to hit anybody with it unless they're already dishonored. And you really, really do not want a card in your deck that doesn't do anything until somebody's dishonored. And even when somebody's dishonored, all it does is get karmic away. Right. I, I mean, so I'm like, I, that seems like a handy effect. That seems like it's just not going to be good enough to get in, but I at least, I don't know. I bothered noting it, but so I guess that's, that's what I have. We could, I, I was used to enjoy uh, making people go through the exercise of, of predicting what was going to be good in an environment because it, while often completely worthless from an objective point of view, it always uh, you know makes you focus a little bit more to to put it down. And I always thought people liked it. It's kind of like a mock draft, right? It sure. has absolutely no value whatsoever, and yet people love to read them. But since the formats kind of been out there for a month now it, it doesn't really seem like much of an exercise i predict that mantis will do well yep mantis will do well crane will do really well in europe in fact that pretty much is a true statement for every year in the history of all of <laughs> i want phoenix to pick up a win so that phoenix players can stop being sad and start enjoying having good stuff there seem to be too many too many sad phoenix players for for the new box that they have and the some of the solid stuff they can do. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I like Phoenix a lot. I've got Phoenix Honor together, and I've had a lot of fun playing it. It's not an easy deck to play. It looks like it's going to be an easy deck to play, almost the way that some Crane Honors have been through the years. And uh-huh. It's not that easy, but it's a lot of fun. The card draw engine in it is great with all the destined and expendable guys and cards like Wheels to blow up your expendable guy, and then you buy him back, things like that. So I, that, that deck's been a lot of fun. That's definitely in one of my top three or four decks right now. Okay. You're the guest on the show. Anything else you want to get out there about 20 festivals or, or someone else say insulting things to Scorpion players about the, the Tebow they stole from you, whatever? No, no, they're, they're perfectly okay with doing that. And I'm a crane player anyway, so yeah, it doesn't really yeah, well, bother me that secondary much. Secondary on Mantis. Mantis. <laughs> I'm yeah. all, kind of on whatever's the good clan. You know, I won with Phoenix and Crab a couple years ago. So the, I, I really like what they did. By, and I don't know how much like it was almost like AG put the seeds out there and then the players really grabbed it when they put the fiction out talking about Aramasu and Trader's Grove and the Manus had their reaction to that which I may have egged them on a little bit about because I'm an <laughs> Aramasu fan not so much a Manus fan and the Scorpion players responding to that I think that back and forth has been really good it's good to see the player base engaged in those fashions I'm glad that with I guess one exception we have not had concepts stolen. There's good engage and there's bad engage. I think if you, I, I think if you have Mantis and Scorpion going to war with each other and like blowing up shrines and stealing bows and and grabbing particular chunks of land, that's one thing. If we ended up with some bizarro situation where the Scorpion stole Thunder Shugenja and archery and spirit summoning, and the Mantis had bitter lies and ninja and Dishonor courtiers. I, <laughs> like, I, I don't. What just happened here? I, I was a little concerned about that, especially because AEG, right? AEG. I mean, okay, Dan put some posts up that were kind of egging it on. I'm like, oh, this this could go badly. But but people have been stealing 
sensible things. I guess the, the one exception, which is the one we mentioned earlier, is that it was the bitter lies can't say thing. I don't, I, I don't know that that's really a particularly important concept. Although I'm sure the Scorpion players would disagree, but. And it's still like kind of a weird thing to steal. They're probably going to steal like the instruction book for it, and then they open it up and it's just blank. <laughs> yeah, it's it, yes. I, I've seen these threads sparked on what does bitter lies do? Does it really have a technique? And oh, you've got to take it seriously. It's not just all right because they it got a little bit less kooky the first time that they introduced it as a a theme because. Right, anything that becomes a theme for an arc in the CCG all of a sudden has to get taken more seriously mm-hmm. and become more common. And so we've got beast masters apparently are are now a thing that the daimyo of the Matsu is, rather than being something that like three Matsu are doing off in their own little strange universe. And I do like right. You mentioned being able to play the. The clan. I mean, it's it's not as ideal, I suppose, as the impossible task of having every clan be exactly balanced. But this does give you the ability. If you think your clan is lousy and mm-hmm. you think another clan is really good, you can play the other clan and just execute a sent- friendly save on one of your own clan's icons. That has entirely been my intent both time I've been played Mantis, and I've been talked out of it on both times. So I don't think it's really pertinent either way, but. South Carolina will be the one, at least, well, my current plan is that South Carolina will be the the one chance that I have to get to a a Cote, and I say that's my current plan because, I don't know, if like you've watched the Twitter feed, for those listeners who have listened to this or watched the Twitter feed, and you see like, and I have a picture of Benjamin, he has an eye patch on half the time now, and He's going to actually have to get surgery, so that may happen in May, so I don't know if that will interfere with with going to the Cote. But anyhow, I really thought, like, you know what, I, I maybe I should just pick what I think is the best deck, and then I think it makes for a more interesting story if somebody executes a friendly save on my icon anyway. So, sure. hey, you know... You're getting two clans involved in that story. You're going to be, you know, doing some cross ties, and especially if you get clans that have been rivals recently, it becomes a little bit interesting. Right, you know, me, every, me and my Katsuki nonsense is what I would tend to pick. And like, if I played Mantis, hey, I, I had good relations with magistrates in in the Mantis clan in in Winter Court Three, so that I think it makes total sense. And there was a Katsuki, there was a Katsuki trained Mantis magistrate in Winter Court Four. So hey, if if those Mantis scouts just happen to come and say the Kintsuki method, wow, you know, it only <laughs> makes sense. Only makes sense. I think the Empress would be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just I without potentially, you know, who knows what the story team's actually going to do? But I, I think the Kintsuki method, along with several things like Shurido or or Death Priests, I think are the most interesting if someone else saves them because they represent newer. You know, a newer relative, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the death priests have been around for ages in in some sense, but you know, concepts that are more niche and more limited to one clan, and then have the possibility of those spreading a little right. bit. That to me yeah, is the, the most interesting. From Phoenix would be something like that. Yeah, that I <laughs> had not thought about. That would be doesn't want people that live forever. Yes, yeah. Well, who doesn't? What can Pecky do if he became immortal? That that would be interesting, right? He's going to taint up, right, it sounds like, and you can't effectively become immortal from the taint. 
his dad is in charge of Jigoku, so presumably he's got to get a pretty good selection of powers. <laughs> if, he, if he takes up, I'm, I'm just going to assume. No, Daigatsu's one of those guys, like the rich guys who don't want to pass the money <laughs> down to their kids because they think they should earn it. I that. Oh, that could actually be kind of interesting. Kenpeki does all this soul-searching and decides, I just, I've got to take the taint so I can crush the Empire, and Daigatsu says no. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, if you want that, you got to earn it yourself, boy. <laughs> I, oh. Oh. That... I don't think the walk and the light spider are going to win that vote, though. Probably not. So, like, the, the main competition seems to be Embrace the Darkness or something that looks an awful lot like Embrace the Darkness. But has a slightly more of a focus on the samurai instead of the monster bits. Right. I don't know, but but that that is a whole other episode. And, oh, while, while you're on, John, we should mention, if for people who don't know about it, I suspect most people do, do you have anything you wanted to say about the Sixth Ring? Uh, no, it's the Sixth Ring is just the broadcasting aspect that we have for watching the games online. You go to sixthring.net and take a look at the games as they stream on Twitch. All right, well, thanks for coming on the show, John. Thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun. You've been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can check us out on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there or on iTunes or Stitcher. If you're checking us out on one of those other services, we'd always appreciate it if you left us a review or a rating. It helps other people discover the show. You can follow us on Twitter at Strange Assembly or check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangeassembly. If you'd like to get in touch with us directly, you can reach me. I'm chris at strangeassembly.com. But until then, for John Palmer, I'm Chris Stevenson, and you've been listening to Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.